0: Thanks for joining us. The following is a presentation of Ignite Global Ministries and features the teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben has a vision of strengthening the church to impact the world. He serves as lead pastor at Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. Luke chapter 19, my message this morning is called Moving from Curious to committed, moving from curious to committed. Recently, I shared a very similar message over at a Christian school and I tweaked it a bit and I wanted to share it with our church community. It was just a few weeks ago and I wanna bring this word to you today. Let's pray as we open God's word. Father, we do thank you this morning for your word. We know that it's a lamp unto our feet, it's a light unto our path. We thank you for the guidance of your word and the power of your Holy Spirit. And we know, Lord, today as we open the word of God, we all are accountable to the public reading of scripture. We are your people following your word for your glory. And I pray that you would use today uh, with all intention that what you have for us to follow your word and to obey your will. I pray, God, that you would give us grace to do just that. And so now I pray, empower us, uh, open our hearts, open, open our ears to hear you and to respond to you in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. amen, amen. When you read the stories in the Bible, you find many times that there were crowds around the Lord Jesus. In fact, people came from far and wide to hear him and receive something from him to see what he could do. We know this when we read the gospel accounts. I think we could say that people were very curious about Jesus. In the initial days of his ministry, it does not mean that people were committed. His disciples were committed, those that became apostles. And there were some that over a period of time of seeing him, walking with him, encountering him, more and more people became committed to Jesus. But he always had crowds. Jesus always had people that were crowding around for various reasons. They were curious, is he the Messiah? Is he what everybody says that he is? Can he do what people say that he can do? And I think today people are in the same spot. People are curious. Is Jesus real? Is God really good? Can Jesus really save, heal, deliver? Is he doing what some Christians say that he's doing? Is he the one that Christians are following? Is the story real? Is it just a story or is it a true account? I think there are people that are curious today. And I would also tell you that even as Christians, we make a commitment initially to Christ and sometimes we move back into a place of being curious. Or maybe we make a commitment to Christ and as we read the Bible and as we become part of church, we find out the expansive view of who Christ is and what he calls us to. And we can learn more about him and then begin to sit back on the bench rather than follow him as he's called us to. And being disciples, disciples are learners of the words and ways of Jesus. And those of us that are following him, sometimes we can still become curious and sort of curious meaning like we're eager to know, we're eager to learn, but we stay in that posture. Where it's like, I'm really interested in Jesus, but I'm not necessarily committed to Jesus, And we live sort of in that tension, and today we're gonna read a story that I think shows us the process of a person who was curious, but made a very real all in, and I wanna emphasize that today, all in commitment to the person and the way of Christ. And I wanna use this story to encourage us, to sharpen us, to remind us even, that we too are called to living fully alive to Christ, all in for him and nothing less. The context here for Luke chapter 19 is very important. Jesus and his disciples are entering into the city of Jericho. And right before they do in Luke chapter 18, they meet this guy named Bartimaeus. Now, you probably heard the story of Bartimaeus. We call him blind Bartimaeus. And almost every gospel account talks about Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus is blind, and he's sitting there on the corner before they enter into the city. He hears that Jesus Uh, Jesus of Nazareth is coming by. He's heard about Jesus. These are in the last sort of months or weeks, actually, of Jesus's ministry. Bartimaeus has heard the reports of the healer, heard about the miracle worker. And as Jesus is strolling by with the disciples, he cannot see him, but he cries out. In fact, he screams Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the disciples try to stop him from saying anything. They try to shush him and silence him. And I love what it says in Luke chapter 18 and the other gospel accounts, it says, and Bartimaeus cried out all the more. You cannot silence desperation, you you understand. When somebody's truly desperate for God, good luck silencing that person. Good good luck silencing uh, our own lives. When you're desperate for God, you move towards him. And so Bartimaeus cries out and Jesus says to the disciples, stop what you're doing. This is my paraphrase. Stop what you're doing and bring him to me. And they bring him to Jesus and Jesus completely, totally, irrevocably heals this man. He was born blind. Let's just admit, amazing miracle. Can we say that today? If we saw that happen in our midst this morning, I think it would change our service a little bit. I think it would change how you're postured a little bit. You might get out of your seat, amen? You might, you might move around. You might try to see what there is happening up front. What did Jesus just do? You might, something might happen. You might move around. I don't know. Revival happens when people move in their seats at church, you know. <laughs> that person moved. God's doing something. As they enter into the city of Jericho, and they have this healing that has just occurred, it says in Mark's gospel that... Bartimaeus goes with them so now they have this crowd that's swelling in Luke chapter 19 entering into the city this an incredible miracle has just happened in their midst and what we know is that the environment is electric because that's what we would feel we would feel a sense of expectation a sense of awe and wonder Who is this Jesus and what is happening in our midst and what could happen? The possibilities now are endless because a man that was born blind has just been healed right in front of us. The environment is electric and he enters into Jericho with his disciples. And now we pick up the story in Luke chapter 19 in verse one. And it says this. He entered Jericho, Jesus, and he was passing through. And there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. That's a kind way of saying he was a short man. So he ran on ahead and he climbed up a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And Zacchaeus hurried and came down and received him gladly. When he saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stopped, and he said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. And verse 10, this is quoted widely. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. This is the word of the Lord. This story powerfully illustrates the process of someone moving from this curious place that we see in Zacchaeus, wanting to eagerly know who Christ is and what he's like and what he can do. He moves from curiosity to a kind of commitment that I think is worthy of bringing up in church today. With that in mind, I wanna make some observations, but before I do, I wanna just talk for a moment about who Zacchaeus is. The text tells us that Zacchaeus was rich. It means that he has everything in terms of material possession. He has everything on the outside, but we know, based on his uh, history, that he would be a man who would feel hollow on the inside. He was a chief tax collector, which means he's in charge of the other tax collectors, and they all worked for the Roman government. In case you didn't know this, When Rome would come to occupy a new city, a new town, instead of importing one of their own to take the taxes, they would actually find promising individuals in that city in order to do their bidding. And they would do this for many reasons. One of the reasons is because they wanted to heavily tax that city. It's how they earned their money to build all that they were building and continue to occupy and oppress the people but they would hire somebody from within who would have to betray their people because those people would know everyone in the city. They knew all the houses and the families, and they could give an accurate account of everybody who did and did not give taxes. And the way that these individuals made money is they would have to charge anywhere from 15 to 20% on top of what the tax was for them to make a living, and it was a good living. But you had to betray your people in order to do that. And they were in love with money. They sold out others in order to get where they were. And this would come with a heavy price. They would be ostracized from their family. They would be ostracized from the synagogue. They were no longer welcome in public worship. They were not welcome in their own homes. So they gave up family and friendships and community for money. This was the condition of of their heart. Materialism was front and center in their life. And so they didn't have their old friends and family, which means all of their friends were the people that did the same thing that they did. They gave up their family and their friends for money. And so misery loves company, and all the tax collectors would be friends, and they would live the fancy life and party. And so we we learn from this that Zacchaeus was probably a man that carried great shame. He was not only carrying it internally, but it was widely known that you would shame people externally when you would see them. You see someone like this coming, you shut your door. You turn the other way. It was very common for them to turn their backs on people like this. That was one of the ways that they would shame you is they turn their backs on you. He lived under this, Zacchaeus lived under this and so did other tax collectors. But this is also an important story for us to consider today because you can have everything on the outside and be hollow as it gets on the inside. You can have the great job and lots of money and the amazing house and all of the stuff that the world has to offer but literally have nothing when it's all said and done. It's a lesson for us and Zacchaeus is in this place. We learn a lot of things about this man and first we see that Zacchaeus was curious about Jesus. Certainly he had heard about him, everybody had at this point. Uh, In their day, uh, whatever version of this that they had, he was viral on YouTube. He saw the memes that were shared on Facebook. Love those memes. He saw the action pics on Instagram from the disciples. Every time he did a miracle, the disciples snapped a picture and put it on the gram. We also know that he had his critics on Twitter because that's what Twitter's good for. People, I don't know what the ancient version of that was. But people wondered about Jesus, they were curious about Jesus. The miracle worker, the one who heals, he teaches with authority, he casts out demons. Certainly Zacchaeus was as curious as everyone else. And I think something in him wanted this to be true. He wanted to encounter something greater than he had known. I think he wanted this to be true about Christ. I wanna meet him, I wanna see him. I wonder if there's more to life than what I'm living. And this is really important for us to see what he did, his curiosity led him to this place because he's short and there's a large crowd and he can't see, he gets this idea, I'm gonna climb up this sycamore tree. Now I don't know what it takes to climb a tree, but I don't climb trees, ladies and gentlemen. I watch other people climb trees, fall out of trees, break their arms and literally use that as an excuse why I don't do what they just did. It's like skiing for me, I don't go skiing, I let you go skiing and I see what happens to you and I internally say this is why I don't ski. If it's your hobby, I'm sorry, I'm not being offensive, I'm just saying. <laughs> I broke my arm and you come back and you walk different and, and you didn't know you're walking for the both of us, but that's the truth, I'm not doing that. But what drives a grown man to climb up a tree? Some kind of curiosity, and not just like, I wonder, I wonder what might happen, I mean, there's something in him that draws him to do something that I would never do as a grown man, I would never climb up a tree. I mean, I'm just the kind of person when the crowd gets too big, I walk away. You understand? I mean, I'm the person that goes to the movie theater, and if I have to sit anywhere close to the front, we're going out to eat dinner or something, and we're going home, and we're all watching something on our television, you know? I'm not climbing up no tree. I'm not sitting in the front of the movie theater. That's just, (laughs) that's the American way. I say that in the nicest possible way. Zacchaeus is very curious. He's eager to see something. Curiosity will get you to check out Jesus, but it won't make you necessarily make a commitment. It'll get you to check him out, but not stick it out, amen? It'll get you to a place where you wanna see something, but you're not necessarily gonna give your life to it. And that's why we have to consider where we are today. Where's our heart? Are we curious? Are we sitting on the sidelines? Are we fully committed following him, walking with him? The tree of curiosity is a place where we watch, it's a place where we look, it's a place where we make comments, but it's not necessarily a place where we are committed. There's something more, and Zacchaeus not only is curious here, but he encounters Jesus, and I love this. In verse 5, it says, when Jesus came to that place, he looks up at him. What place? When Jesus came right to the place where the tree was, Zacchaeus did not know that Jesus was going to walk by the tree. He was only trying to get a better vantage point. And he thought, if I climb up this tree, I will see Jesus. But climbing up that tree was actually what caused Jesus to see him. And sometimes we've got to realize this, that the actions that we take, the steps that we make are actually a divine setup in our lives for God to have an encounter with us. The Lord is orchestrating all kinds of things should we see it in our lives so that we would be further committed to him. He knows what's gonna happen. In fact, I was thinking about this. I wonder if that tree was specifically planted for this very moment right then. In God's foreknowledge, he saw this moment. He knew it was gonna happen. And that tree, that, that tree was a seed at one point and it was planted so that Zacchaeus could climb up it one day and that Jesus could stop at it and say what he said to him. Zacchaeus has an encounter with the Lord Jesus. He says to him, come down from the tree. I must stay at your house. And all eyes are on him at this point. What's he gonna do when Jesus calls his name? And I think it's an important point for us today. What are we gonna do when Jesus calls our name? If we're here today and we've never made a commitment to Christ, Jesus is calling your name. Jesus is calling you into relationship being here is not a coincidence. Even for those of us online, you didn't just randomly come to this. It might feel that way. I don't think that tree was randomly there. It might seem like I happened upon, how many times have I heard that? I just happened to find this page. I just happened to be on this. I, I just happened to walk by and, and go into this church. How many of you have had these type of encounters? You just, it seems like you happened to maybe coincidentally just find your way into a church. Not. Some of you, it might be that you just live close to this church and you drive by it every day and somehow, some way, God is making a way in our lives. I'm not suggesting that he's coercing all of it, but I'm saying that he, he sees the future and he begins to work things after the counsel of his will. When Jesus calls our name, what do we do? How do we respond? Well, here's what Zacchaeus does. It says that he climbs down quickly <laughs> and he receives him gladly. He climbs down. I don't know if he did one of those, like, fly down the, the, the fire ladder. You know, I can just sort of, shh! He's so excited. He only wanted to see something, but now he's about to encounter someone. It says he receives him gladly. He came down from the curious observatory, and now he's having an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. There are moments in our life, and I'm, tell, I'm talking to even Christians today, There are moments in our life where Jesus Christ enters in and invites us into more. He calls us, he invites us, he challenges us, he provokes us into taking a step and he's saying, I want you to move from this place of curiosity into more commitment. You say, well Ben, I'm already committed to Christ. There's more friends, there's more. It's not about just an initial commitment, it's about an everyday surrender sometimes we find ourselves just watching when we need to be walking we find ourselves being curious when we're supposed to be committed I think this can minister and I'm taking a little liberty with the text today and I know that but I still think what I'm saying is true I think we've got to move out of places of curiosity into full-on commitment let me let me just tell you the Bible knows nothing about a half-hearted commitment to Christ it knows nothing about that You can't find it. The only place you can find a half-hearted commitment to Christ is a place where people end up following their own way and it doesn't work out for them. I remember I was at a men's retreat one time and I was sitting with a guy at at, uh, lunch or dinner or dinner or I don't remember what what it was. He was eating, I wasn't, you know. If you ever go to like a mission trip with me or you ever go to like a retreat with me, you notice I pop out a protein bar in these times because I never know how food's gonna settle on me, you know, so just don't judge me, all right? I, I like that's it bars and protein bars. That's how I move. That's how I work. And I'm sitting there probably eating my protein bar and this this guy's, I didn't, I didn't know him and we're talking and he's telling me all of his issues in life and we all have problems. We all have issues. We all have difficulties in life that we're facing, every one of us. We're not strangers to that and neither was he and he's telling me all these things about his life and I'm listening. I'm trying to be a good pastor. I'm listening. I'm hearing him out. I'm hearing his heart. But I always try to listen to the Lord because I think that's, what we ought to do. Lord, is there something here that maybe he's missing, and this is a divine setup, and you want me to share something that's from your heart, not from my opinions, but from your heart. Is there something in your heart that's missing, a missing piece in the puzzle of his life? And as he's talking to me, I'm hearing him, I'm hearing him, I'm hearing the pain, the all that stuff, and I just stop him. (laughs) And I said, you know, following Jesus is all or nothing. (laughs) And I sort of shocked myself, because I don't, I don't think I've said that since, honestly. That's the truth. I don't think I've said that since. I mean, I've certainly preached it, but I don't think I've personally said it to somebody like that, randomly, at the dinner table, out of the blue, while somebody's talking to me about the difficult stuff in their life. And I don't suggest it, honestly. I really don't. I recommend you move by the Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is telling you that, if it's your opinion, you need to, you know, we need to learn discretion and... Family members say "zip of the lipa." I don't know if that's, that's uh, uh, Holy Spirit gave me that or not, but whatever. I said, "Following Jesus is all or nothing." Broad is the road that leads to destruction. Right? Narrow is the road that leads to life. Narrow. You know, I was. Uh, you know? Have you ever walked on a street called Broadway? Yeah. <laughs> There's usually not good stuff on Broadway. You understand that? You ever thought about that? The Broadway is usually got stuff there that you don't want, places you don't want to go to. Food for thought, let's move on. (laughs) Broad is the road. And I would tell you today that the Lord is constantly, relentlessly calling us into a full on 100% all in life in Christ, 100% commitment. I'm gonna tell you, if we're gonna pray for revival and we're gonna pray that God revives our city, he's gonna start in the house of the Lord and he is gonna relentlessly pursue us until we are 100% in, that there's no hesitation in us saying, I'm all in. If I ask you the question today, are you all in? Are you following Christ? Are you fully committed? If there's any hesitancy in you right now to answer that question, I'm not asking you if you're perfect. I'm not patronizing you. I'm not trying to qualify whose Christianity is better than others. That's not what we're talking about, because he's the one that helps us. That's called sanctification. Every day of our life, he helps us walk with him. He helps us to become more like Christ. But we have to be fully committed to him if we are actually going to become like Christ. We cannot be fully committed, or we cannot become like Jesus and change and grow and transform and become the people that he wants us to be, unless we've already made that decision, And this is something beautiful that we see about Zacchaeus. He has this encounter with Christ, and it changes everything in his life. But there's another thing that happens when he comes down from the tree. Zacchaeus receives criticism. Just because he receives him gladly does not mean everyone around him is happy about it. In verse 7, it says that people grumbled and they questioned Jesus. Why does he eat with a sinner and let me tell you something, when you decide to follow Christ and, and, and you continue to make those surrendered steps, maybe it's the first one, but for the rest of us, for those of us that are Christians, we continue to make more and more committed steps in surrendering to Christ. Not everybody in our life is happy about that. Not everybody is rejoicing. I'm so glad that you are just this sold out on fire Christian and you're so in love with Jesus. I'm very happy for you. I wish I could tell you that's the case, but no, criticism is part of what happens to us in in our life, and I'll tell you, there's a lot of reasons for it. Some people don't want this grace to be true. I mean, Zacchaeus is a guy that cannot earn it, and he doesn't deserve it. Does that sound like something that we all need? And the people that criticize Jesus for going to eat with him also need the grace that he's giving to him, but they just can't recognize it. And there's something inside of us as human beings that want to earn, that want to achieve, and qualify ourselves being better than other people because grace blows our mind and it doesn't make sense. That all of us are truly on the receiving end of the grace of God in that we came home. Don't you love the word that came today? That all of us need to come home. And I'll tell you, we need to keep coming home. It's always about coming home. It's about staying home because the temptation is to leave. When times get tough or things get hard, it's to loosen our commitment. And that's true for all of us, but Jesus is better. He's always the better way. The broad way is not the better way. The narrow way is the best way. He, he receives cr- criticism. It's gonna come for various reasons, but we have to be able to endure when times get hard and people don't understand what we're doing. And we don't wanna be the type of christian that are trying to beat down other people that's not what we preach here we're not better than we've just have found somebody that is i mean we we've found someone that's worth giving everything for you know what i mean i mean you know what people are looking for in the world they're looking to find something that is worth giving everything for And those that have found Christ, that are on fire, that are in love with him, what our confession is today is we have found something in God that is worth everything else. And I'm not ashamed. So let the criticism come. I don't love it, I don't want it, but when it comes, it is what it is. Friends, you know, you have family members, neighbors, coworkers, it's just how it is. And we stay in the place of being Christ-like, following him, loving him, manifesting his character and his presence in our lives. We can either cower to the voice of others or become a voice to others. But it is a choice in staying in keeping with Christ, staying committed. We live to please the Lord. This is what life is about no matter what other people say. So Zacchaeus receives criticism, but what's powerful about this story is that he doesn't only commit to just walking with him to his house. And by the way, Jesus wants to go to your house too. (laughs) Jesus wants to go everywhere that you're going. He doesn't just walk with him to his house, but he makes a very sober and real commitment. It says this in, um, I think it is verse, verse eight, verse seven or eight. He says, at this moment where they're walking along, the criticism is happening and Zacchaeus stops and he turns around and he looks at the Lord and he says, behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back to them four times as much. He's making a statement, and and it's interesting to me because this is what we call repentance. He's not just excited, now Jesus is with me, this is great, this is awesome, everybody, Jesus is coming to my house, (laughs) He's walking with his phone and he's posting (laughs) a little picture back here with Jesus. picking up rocks along the way that he can sell them later, you know? (laughs) Jesus walked on that rock. 20 bucks. Does anybody think this dumb stuff of me? I'm sorry, I apologize. Squirrel. Half of what I have I'll give to the poor. And he's a rich guy. He's a rich guy, so that's a lot. That's not like a guy that has 20 bucks to his name. Oh, here's 10, you know? It's like 10,000, he's got a lot of money. Half of what I have I'll give to the poor. And then he says, if I've defrauded anyone, and picture him in literally in this, in this place and in this time, and as he says, if I've defrauded anyone, well, some of those anyone's are around him grumbling against him right there. <laughs> and he says it publicly, unashamed, if I've defrauded anybody with a megaphone, there's all these people around him, any of you, I will pay back to you four times as much. It, it might sound like a random number, but it's not random. He did not pull that number out of thin air. In fact, we read in the Mosaic Law, Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 6 and verse 1 through 7, it states that if a thief voluntarily confessed his crime, he had to restore what, what, was, what he took and he had to add a fifth to it. That's 20%. That's almost about the same amount of money that a tax collector would extort on top of the taxes they, they were to collect. Interesting. And this is what the law states, and they would bring a trespass offering to the Lord in addition to that. But listen to this, according to Exodus chapter 22, it states if you stole something that you could not restore. Now, what you could not restore was something that was a person's livelihood. So for example, an oxen or a cow, this is how a person would make their living off of these burden-bearing animals. So if you stole something that you could not restore, you had to repay fourfold if he was caught with the goods and you had to, if you were caught with them, you had to repay double. So you have double, you have 20%, and you have fourfold. And I love what Zacchaeus does. He makes a decision of sacrifice. And he says, I'm gonna pay back the absolute most that the law would require. I'm not gonna quibble over the words. I'm not gonna try to negotiate less of a sacrifice. I'm gonna make the biggest sacrifice that the law would ever dictate to a person in my situation. And I'm gonna do it publicly. I'm gonna do it right in front of everyone. This is a man that decided that repentance was important in the moment that he's in. This is what repentance looks like. Repentance is not about just having a happy life with Jesus. It's about saying, if I've defrauded anybody, if I've done anything wrong, the level of my commitment is that I'm willing to give it all away because Jesus is worth more. That is the kind of commitment to Christ that we need today. The kind of commitment that the world needs to see is a sacrifice on behalf of the people of God that Jesus is, is worth it all and we're willing to give our lives, spend our lives for the sake of other people coming to know him and experiencing his love and his presence and his goodness and his generosity through our lives. That we literally give our lives away. This man knows that in that moment that he's in, he's giving up all of the stuff that he has earned through extorting his people. He's giving it all back, because it's worth more, amen. This is called repentance. This is where you make a decision to not go back to the way things were. This is where you make a decision to get off the broad road and get onto the narrow road. There are decisions in our life, even as Christians, where we realize that we're going back to the broad way of curiosity in Jesus rather than full-on commitment. It's about being all in. Friends, I'm wanting to encourage Christians today even, it's about being all in. The, The pull of this world is so strong. The pull of this world is so strong. It takes us into selfishness rather than selflessness. And it doesn't even take long to do it. Before you know it, we look like, sound like, and act like everybody else that doesn't know the Christ that we follow. And today, what's in my heart to share with you Based out of this story, it's it's to me a powerful, powerful time of where somebody encounters Jesus and is just willing to give it all. And you know what it does for me? It reminds me of how good Jesus is. It reminds me of how worthy he is and how I don't want to hold back. I don't want to hold back. I don't want to hide. And I want to say the same thing to you today. Listen, some of us in this room, we need a fresh encounter with the living Christ, and we've been praying for revival. I don't know if you come on Wednesdays or not, but on Wednesdays, we're, we're going after him. Amen. So be ye warned. And we're not ashamed. When we're, when we're crying out to God, we understand the need is great and the hour is late. It's very serious about this. So if you come Wednesday night, you might see people laying on the floor. You might see people set up against the back. You might see, people, you might see me walking around praying like this. You, might, you just might say, don't get alarmed. We're crying out to God. And you know what I've learned since we've been crying out to God? I've learned that the warfare doesn't stop, it actually intensifies. Isn't that something? You'd think when we're calling on heaven and we're crying out to God, that all of a sudden the noise of the warfare of the enemy would turn down. Friends, that's not true what happens is you all of a sudden become a target because you're no, you're no longer accepting casual Christianity, you know, the thing that doesn't change anybody, the thing that doesn't draw out sacrificial decisions from people that say, I'm a disciple of Jesus. When you stop that kind of thing and we're saying, we're gonna go after God and we're gonna go after him in a way that like maybe we're in this unknown territory. You understand what I'm saying? Like maybe I don't, I'm, nobody's like a guru. Nobody's an expert of being sold out to God. We all have to venture into that place and say, I'm just gonna go where he's leading us. And as we do that, he starts coming for more of our hearts. I want more. See, he didn't hold back from us, right? He's very confident about what he's given. I did not hold back from you, I gave you all of myself. But I gave all of myself for all of your heart. And if I only have a piece, I'm gonna come, and I'm gonna come, and I'm gonna come until I got it all. And if surrender was full yesterday, But today and tomorrow, it starts to slip just a little bit. He keeps coming. And you know what? We thank God for that. Because if it isn't for his conviction and his love and his pursuit of our life, we would just follow our own ways. We would be left to our own vices. But the conviction of the Holy Spirit continues to come. Never try to get out of the tension of conviction, don't do that to yourself. That is, that is not of God. To get out of the tension. We're always gonna, in this world, we're gonna always feel the level of tension because of the temptation that pulls us. And he's pulling us out of that constantly and specifically. But we have to be people that are daily surrendering and sacrificing things for the sake of Jesus. Jesus says, if anyone would desire to come after me, he must first deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. The cross was a picture of death, it would have confused the disciples because Jesus was sometime six months away from going to the cross when he said that. He was six months away. And it would have been the biggest prophetic picture for them when they saw Jesus nailed to a cross to be reminded of the teaching that he gave. If anyone wants to come after me, he must first deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. You have to deny yourself and that's a daily thing. It says in Luke, I think it's chapter nine, you must deny yourself daily. And thank God that he's pursuing us into that place. We read about Zacchaeus, we read about his repentance and how his repentance was full. And Jesus makes this comment, today salvation has come to this home because you withheld nothing in your response to me. I wanna share with you today that I believe in the days in which we're living that God is calling his church into full commitment. He's calling his church into full commitment. And that's what I wanna lead you in In this moment, I I just simply want to pray with you as we close because I I believe that when we have services like this, sometimes there's uh, all of us are believers, we're followers of Christ, but there might be people in here today and even watching online, and I don't think it's a coincidence and I don't think it's random, but we need to hear gospel accounts like this of a man named Zacchaeus and many, many others who encountered Christ and gave everything because they found that he was worthy of it. And I wanna remind you that our believers, he's worthy of it today, just like he was that day. And so just in a moment of prayer, if you would, just in the, uh, honoring the presence of the Lord, if you would simply bow your head with me today. And, and yes, even those of you that don't like to do that when I ask you, please do it, honestly. Just, just, just to honor the presence of God. I wanna ask you to consider this, those of you that are here and those of you watching online. As we've come together, I don't know how you ended up here, or maybe you've been coming here for some time, or maybe you came with a friend, a family member, and you're listening to me, and I'm talking to you about a guy who sold out his people, a guy who walked away from family and friends and did his own thing for his own reasons. Money became more important than others, and he found himself in a very hollow place, And just like the prophetic word today that we heard from Cassandra was about coming home, I think for some people today, this is a day to come home. And coming home means this, Jesus, I surrender my heart to you. Jesus, I need to be forgiven of my sin. I need to stop turning my back on what is right and righteous and recognize that I cannot clean myself up. I'm not righteous in myself, but that's why you came. You came so that I could become righteous by believing in you. You died on a cross to take death in my place. You rose again to show me that you are the son of God and that I too will rise if I believe upon you. He came, he died, and he rose again. He proved to us that he is the living son of God. And he says, anybody who comes to me, and that means to believe in him, to turn from our way of doing things and to turn towards him because he's worthy of it. He says to one that would do that, I will give you everlasting life. He doesn't just give us a better life. He gives us an eternal life. And that is a better life, amen. So if you're here today and you would say, Pastor Ben, I've I've not done that before. I've never given my heart to Christ or maybe I've been on the fence. I've been on the fence about this commitment. You need to make a commitment today. And that's what he's calling you into. He's calling you to make a very real commitment. Curiosity is not going to serve you in your life. Commitment will, commitment to Christ. He's committed to you already. He's proved it. Are you committed to him? And so real quickly, I just want to ask you, if that's you today, you hear what I'm saying and you know that it's you and the Holy Spirit is touching your heart, drawing you to Christ, telling you today's your day. Will you just raise your hand? You Say, Ben, I, I need to commit to Christ. I need to make a real commitment to Jesus today. I'm just going to wait for a moment. If that's you, yeah, I see you. If it's you, just raise your hand. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah, I see you today. Come home, and he's gonna meet you where you are today. He's gonna meet you right where you are. Come home. Thank you, Lord. It's just a few of us, and here's what I'm gonna ask you. If you raise your hand at the end of the service, I would ask you to come up and pray with one of us. We wanna talk to you. You raised your hand. That's the first step of faith in Christ. And maybe it's a reminder. Maybe today you realize I'm on the fence, and I, I need to get off the fence and make that commitment. So I would ask you after the service, when people are moving to different things, would you move forward to one of our prayer ministers, one of our pastors, we'd like to pray with you. And it would be our privilege to do that. Now for the rest of us, there's some in the room today and I, I just wanna call you to this place where you are a Christian, you do love the Lord, but you feel like you're on the fence. Like Ben, I'm, I'm committed, but I'm kinda like, you know, I'm, I'm reluctant, I'm hesitant. I'm just gonna tell you, being on the fence will not serve you. You're just inviting all kinds of extra guilt and tension that is not from God, but it is, it is from the lack of a commitment is what it's from. And so today, if you are a Christian, but you're living on the fence, maybe you got on the fence a couple years ago and you've just stayed there and you're stuck and you need to do what Zacchaeus did. You need to repent. You need to say, God, you're worthy to, you're worthy to follow. with All of my life, no holding back, all in, all or nothing. And you can't say that today, but you can you can, as you respond to him today. I want to give you that moment. Just now in the presence of the Lord, if you're saying, Ben, I'm a Christian, but I need to get off the fence today. I need to get off the fence and make that commitment to Christ and ask him to give me grace to help me stay on this side of the fence where I'm following him faithfully and I'm loving him supremely and I'm after him with all of my life. If that's you, will you raise your hand today? Just say, today's the day of getting off the fence. Yeah, I see you. I'm just gonna give 10 seconds. Just go ahead and raise your hand. I'm off the fence. Jump off the fence by raising your hand. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. It's time to get off the fence. Don't hear me, hear him. Hear him today. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. I see your hands. We're gonna pray. Will you stand today? Let's pray together. All of us need a fresh encounter with the Lord. If you rose your hand that second time, I wanna tell you, we're gonna pray right now. Everybody put your hands out before God. We're gonna ask for a fresh encounter with him. Father, we thank you today. Some of us have made a fresh commitment to you today, and we wanna move from curiosity. We don't wanna climb back up that tree and wonder what you're like. We wanna stand next to you, follow you, go where you're going, do what you're doing. We wanna be like you, Lord, and we, we don't wanna have any hesitancy or reluctance in our heart at all. We're done with that all in and that's the decision of today we come home and we ask you for the grace to stay home oh god we pray that you would come among us in your healing and your revealing power for you are good and you know how to keep us by your glory and your grace and i pray for everybody who has risen their hand today making a commitment to you i pray now that you would accompany them by your grace and that we could have a moment of prayer. May we receive a fresh encounter with you, a reminder of your love, a reminder of your grace, a reminder of who you are and what, you're, what you've done and what you're doing, that you are constantly coming after us, relentlessly pursuing us, and you don't take no for an answer. We were made for you and nothing less in Jesus' name. I have some prophetic words that I wanna share with you. Um, this is just really simple. So if this is you, we're just gonna pray this over you. As we worship, we wanna to listen to the Lord. We, we wanna be a church that worships God, wanna be a church that receives a prophetic word that we heard from Cassandra today. We're a church that hears from the word of God, but we also are a church that believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, to heal, to save, to deliver, to fill us, to flow through us, to touch the lives of other people. We're uncompromising in that. And so we listen to his voice. And before, uh, before I came up here, I was listening to the Holy Spirit and here's what I believe I heard him say. I'm gonna share this with you. I may not ask you to raise your hand and acknowledge this to you, but we, we'll be available for prayer in just a few moments. And we would love to agree with you in God for what he wants to do in your life. The first thing I heard was that somebody, this is the way I would describe it. You find yourself in a financial mess right now. That's just the word mess is what I saw in my mind. You, you, you're in a financial mess and you don't know how to exactly get your way out. And maybe you've tried before to get your way out, but you just feel like you don't know where to start and you don't wanna just keep trying, but you're in a mess. And I wanna say this to you today, that the Lord wants to give you wisdom. He wants to give you wisdom so that you can open up this place that's been difficult for you, not only with him, but also with somebody else that can be a guide for you. And I wanna prophesy over you, you need a guide. You need help to get out of the mess that you're in. And part of that is gonna be humility on your part. You need to humble yourself. So I'm not asking you to raise your hand right here or come up front and tell us all what your problem is. But I don't want you to stay there. And it was on the Lord's heart today to tell you he can give you the wisdom to lead you out, but it's gonna require more help. Just like when you go to the gym, some of us need a personal trainer to know what we're doing. You need somebody to help disciple you in this area. And I'm telling you, as you humble yourself, this is the word, God will help you out and give you wisdom that you need. That's for you, that's for somebody today. 9 a.m. service, I didn't say that last night, I'm not saying that at the 11.30. Somebody in this room or watching. And then another person, there's a release of grace in your house that God wants to bring, a softening of hearts. There's a hardness that's, that's come and you just seem to, you can't get rid of it you haven't been able to change it God wants to bring in fact let's pray right now Lord I just pray a softening in our homes the hearts have been getting a little harder more tense more irritation and it's it's not unbearable but it's become normal and we break that culture right now in our homes right now and it comes from the heart so we thank you for a softening of hearts in fact somebody right now your heart is just softening in the presence of God today as you've been here your heart is softening so we speak that over you today. Humble yourself to the Lord. Watch him soften your heart and change the culture of your home. Another person, you, your energy is sapped and uh, you just feel like you can't do anything. You, you're living in constant fatigue. In fact, I will ask you to raise your hand. Constant fatigue, your energy is sapped. You just feel like you can't press past right now. If that's you, just raise your hand. We're gonna pray in the name of Jesus. There's several in the room. Okay, pray if, if you're watching, pray now. Thank you, Lord. We break that fatigue and that sapping of energy, wherever it comes from, whatever it is, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray now that, Lord, you would strengthen. You would strengthen right now from the top of our heads to the bottom of our feet. Come, Holy Spirit, and give us what we need. And this also, for some of us, it doesn't come from like a natural connection that we would assume. If you just drink more water, or if you just do that, some of you are thinking that you need to stop for a second. There are times where it's not a natural connection. Do you understand that there are spiritual realities in in the room facing us today? There are natural ones as well. We need to steward the natural and contend for the supernatural. Amen. That's the way of the born again, spirit-filled Christian. And finally, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this, somebody has an elbow or forearm problem. And uh, if you come up after the service, if you have time, we wanna pray and pray over that. And the last thing, the last thing, I know I could be up here all day, sorry, I'm gonna let you go. But the last thing is, I sensed over this weekend that it was a time of commitment and I love the prophetic word about coming home, but I also felt like the Lord is showing us that this is a season where he's inviting us into a, a time of worship. And with that worship, I want, I want to tell you, he's saying rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. And you have felt like there's a warfare over your life. Ben, I want to move in more. I want to move towards God. And it just feels like there's a warfare, maybe in your home, maybe as it pertains to church, maybe it pertains to work. There's a warfare right now. And I want to tell you something. I'm going to give you a strategy from the Lord. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. This isn't about just learning more. It's about pressing in more. It's about turning that worship music on in your car and turning it up a little louder. Turn the podcast off for a moment, amen? Turn the political radio off for a little bit and turn up the worship music in your life and press in. God, you're worthy and we glorify you. We worship you because you're worthy. There is a worship that comes in contrast to the warfare and it breaks the cycle of warfare in our lives. And you can't worship your way out of everything. But there is something about when the intensity of warfare comes and this oppression tries to settle on us like a wet blanket to stop us from moving forward in God, we can break that in the name of Jesus. And if this is a word from the Lord, there's power when we say it over each other, that he will take off of us and replace a spirit of heaviness for a garment of praise. So Lord, now we pray in Jesus' mighty name that there would be outbursts of spontaneous praise in our life. While we're driving the car, while we're walking, walking the dog, some of us, come on. The dog doesn't have to understand. While we're walking the dog, while we're talking to our spouse, while we're praying with our spouse, while we're in our car, while we're thinking about our difficulties, rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. We say it again, rejoice. We are the people of the living God. This is is the day of the Lord. We rejoice and we are glad in it. Hallelujah, we worship you today. Thank you, Lord. Yes, God. We break the heaviness, we break the oppression, and we thank you, Lord. We worship you and declare that you are worthy in the house of God today. In Jesus' mighty name, And God's people said, amen and amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Ignite Global Ministries, please go to our website, igniteglobalministries.org. While there, check out our Immersion Discipleship School and the books Pastor Ben has written.